0: This is Judges 4 and 5, Deborah and her song, and we are going to just take a step back a minute and get the big picture, okay, sometimes it's, many times it's good to get a big picture because we can get too far into the forest or whatever and the immediate surroundings that we just need to step back because our God is sovereign, and get the big plan of what's going on here. So the big plan is God loves us and created us. We fell and he loves us too much to leave us like this. And he has redeemed us and he sent his son. But there's a horrible enemy out there an evil and it's attacked. So there's a cosmic war, a spiritual war that's going on. That's the big picture And that's why God is wanting his people to learn their need for him and the art of war. The art of war and actually battles here in the Old Testament, but the act of war within ourselves fighting sin. Because this is, Judges is an analogy of the Christian life, okay? And the evil and the bad people in here are are, um, representative of sin in our life, things that are against God. So... We have, again, like we do, we can't make too much fun of the people in these verses here because they're so much like us, that cycle of life is good, we're sedentary, the sedentary life is subject to disease. Did you know that? Water that sits in a bucket gets stagnant, bugs get in there, right? Right? That's why when you're out hiking or something, you want to drink water that's just come down this bubbly brook and all these rocks and everything, because as the water bangs against all the rocks and shoves around, it knocks out, I don't know what it does, you guys might know what it does, but it knocks the bad stuff out. So going through trials and stuff, it kind of knocks the bad stuff out of us, right? Because we can't be stagnant. We are in a battle, always prepared. So with that little reminder here the big picture also has with it god's son the redeemer for us came through the seed of the woman came through his people jesus was a jew that came through the tribe of judah and so satan's tactic has been to annihilate that ruin it, ruin human DNA, if you want to go there, we'll go there, just ruin everything and corrupt it or kill it or do whatever or, you know, just um, depopulate or just whatever. But before Christ came, that was the thing, if he could destroy, that's why he tried to kill all the babies under two, the Messiah wouldn't come. But we know God wins because he's sovereign, but this is the battle that goes on. So he's continuing to teach his people their need for him and the art of war. So, in Judges 4, here we meet Deborah. She's our next judge that we're going to be taking a look at. And we have the cycle, right in verse 1. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, after you had died. And he gave them up into slavery and stuff to King Jabin. And, you know, and it was just bad. And they were just crying out to the Lord. And he was a powerful army guy and had 900 chariots and all that kind of stuff. And so it was a bad situation there. They were, had drifted again into disobedience. But, you know, the more they drift into disobedience, the more apparent was the mercy and grace of God. And he's never going to let it, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That doesn't give us license to sin, though, as Paul would say. But we do see the the comparison. We do see how they're correlated together, how the further they drifted away and the more miserable they got and everything, until they finally cried out to God and he had compassion on them. The goal wasn't to torture his people the goal was for them to realize you guys this isn't the right way to go you've got to be obedient i created you i know what you need to do this is what you need to do if you obey me it'll be blessings and everything and i'll take care of everything but they get stagnant again um so he calls on deborah in verse four here is deborah a prophetess, a wife and a judge and notice the order of that because i think that's important for us as women God, family, then culture or society, and they're listed like that in here. Um, and she was a woman who had great wisdom. Um, probably had studied all the Old Testament, all the writings at the time, and everything. And people would go to her to help solve things and figure things out and problem solve. And um, so she heard a lot of problems sitting under that palm tree. She really did. Um. And so God gives her a message. Um, and she goes and she summons Barak to come. And she says to Barak, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, or taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtala and the people of Z- Zebulon. And then the Lord says, And I will draw out Sisera, the captain of um, the bad people's army, And to meet you by the river with his chariots and his troops, and I will give them into your hand. So, she's basically confirming to him, to Barak, because it's phrased like this, Has not the Lord commanded you? Which is letting us know that God's been kind, letting Barak know we need to do this. This is what I want you to do. She's not telling him anything new. He, she's just confirming to him something that he already knew. Um, now, we've been, after studying, because I was right there with you guys. Um, I think we were a little too harsh on Barack. if you really want to know. Because <laughs> um, his name is listed in Hebrews 11. It is. So let's take a picture or get an idea of what this man was dealing with. Okay? Get a lay of the landscape. He was assessing the situation. For all these years, they have been oppressed. I guess maybe they tried to fight some battles, but, you know, they were disobedient. So God was, you know, they were failing at all that stuff. It wasn't looking good for them. Not good at all. um, Because they had drifted so far away. So... He has his commanders and his leaders, and he's looking at this, and God's you know, letting them know, you need to go to battle, you need to do this. But he knows they have no weapons. And we know that by peeking at the song in chapter 5, verse 6 and 9. Every time, when the new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. In other words, when the Israelites decided that they were going to Pick another god they're going to, you know, oh, how about this god over here? We can sacrifice to that one too. As soon as another god came around for them to rob their their loyalties away, war began. War was at the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? Well, rhetorical question. No, they had no weapons. They had no weapons. And here we just hear Sisera is a commander of what? 900 chariots of iron, plus men with weapons. So, here he's hearing from God, you need to go down and do this. They're thinking, oh my goodness, we can't even. Because before we know that they went up against chariots and it was no problems. We won't remember what they did to the horses, but anyways, they defeated them. So, he is really, I don't think he was questioning that God could do this. I think when he asked Deborah, "Well, I'll go if you go with me," I I I want to look at it this way: that he had more faith in Deborah's holy, God-fearing life and her connection to God than he had. She's she's more connected to God. She's this prophetess. She's so wise and everything like that, you know. And and God will do it for her, but me, I'm just a sinner. I mess up. I know what's in my heart. We, don't we hear that all the time? Why would he do it for me? These promises in this book, they're for all these other people. But are they for me? Yes. The answer is yes. So that's where I think he was at. He didn't want to lead this massacre of his troops. He wasn't doing good earthly um combat, but God doesn't work that way. His ways are not our ways, and so here's where he's put to the test here. We know here in verse 10 that he, back to chapter 4, verse 10, that he He decides to go. Um, Deborah goes with him in verse 9. I will surely go with you. No problem here. I'm, I'm going to go. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory for the lord will sell sisera into the hand of a woman so let's ponder that one verse for a minute here they use the word roads the road you're taking the pathway you're going the the action the behavior that you're doing isn't going to be the most favorable one for you roads and and paths and and steps and journeys and our walk, those are all words for f- our faith. Because faith isn't anything that if it just stays up here. Faith is gotta be a journey, a walk, faith in action. And so there's we're finding out from this verse for what Deborah said is that there's different there's there's options out there. Some are better than others, but what what makes them different is the amount of faith we have in God on which one we're going to choose. If he had some weapons, if he had a couple cannons or something like that, he'd probably choose, yeah, we're going to go. But his faith wouldn't have been at a point where it really need to be big faith, not just little faith. And the one he picked was kind of hiding behind Deborah a little bit or going with her. It wasn't the the all sold out for God. Yes, I absolutely believe that God is going to do this despite who I am. He's going to do this and we're going to go for it. That would have been the better road. And things happen to us when we take these roads. She says there's glory. It will not lead to your glory, is that talking about all the praise he'll get because he'll be the one that killed Sisera? Possibly in this, but let's take a peek at Corinthians in New Testament. Second Corinthians 3, 16 and 18. But when one turns to the Lord in obedience, faith, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, to another degree of glory. I'm going to add another verse to this. Flip over a page in Second Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So do not lose heart. In other words, don't be a coward, don't be afraid, don't give up. Do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, like 900 chariots, but we look to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Are you getting the picture here? We take steps of faith. When we believe when, in obedience to God, I, we're not going to be a fool out there, don't tempt God. But when He calls on us to do things that utterly seem impossible or we don't want to or whatever, when we do that, we are traveling down a road that is bringing us to more glory, to another degree of glory. And the more times we go on those roads and we are transformed into more glory, and more glory as we see his face and are being closer to him and drawn in closer to him. Um, we are, we are, he's preparing that glory muscle to be able to hold something that's pretty powerful. I love that. Is that not battle? So this is what she's telling him with those roads, okay? So does he go, go up and go? Yeah, he does. He has a little more courage than I think we were giving him at this point, just to be able to go with her in what it looked like. It looked really bleak from a commander in an army's uh, perspective. So they go. Um, he collects all of his troops in verse 10, um, called out Zebulon and Naphtala to go on down 10,000 men as heels and Deborah went with him. That was courage. That was Courage. And there was a degree of glory there. It wasn't the biggest degree of glory, but somehow he got some more because he's in Hebrews 11. So they're off. Inserted in here, and plus, another thing, they're going down to, to, to do battle on the plains. They're going on flat level. Now, had they been called up to fight in the hills or something, they couldn't have taken their chariots. But God calls them down to where the enemy has the advantage on a flat plain. They can run all over the place with those chariots and just, pa, ah, there, there goes some more Israelites. Let's go get them. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they were going to just knock them out like uh, bowling ball pins or something. And so they were really taking a step of courage to go down there to this battlefield that was flat. There's a little side note here in verse 11 that tells us about Moses's in-laws and how they, um, the Kenites, settled a little bit far more far away from all the other is you know the other uh, people of god and their tents were over here and that's just a side note because it lets us know a little bit about god's battle plans he's always networking there's always things going on right we don't see it we don't know how they're going to be used but those things are happening so they go to war they're going to go to war Sisera in verse 12 what does he do he gets all his men all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all his men are in there, and they go on down. That's Sisera. He's collected all of his things, his confidence, in, in his sophisticated, impressive, high-tech army. He's got, mm, that's where his confidence is. It's in his stuff. Deborah goes on down here in 14, um, And she says to Barak, hey, come on, get up. This is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Come on, let's go. The Lord goes before us. I don't think it was a lazy slob. I think it was just a cheer. Hey, this is finally here. It's it. Let's do this. Ooh, aren't cheerleaders good for us? Aren't they? (laughs) Yes, you can do this. Come on, let's do this together. God's going to, let's go out there and see. We are people of relationships and fellowships, and it's good to have people we can lock arms with together and do everything. I'm telling you, if this Bible study wrote on only me, we wouldn't be here. But it rides on a team of women and a group of leaders, and through God's power is here. Um, so we get things done. We're encouraged. We encourage each other. Um, and so then, her confidence is in who? Barak? No, not in Barak. In their weapons? No, not in their weapons. Her confidence is in God. Barack gets up. He didn't roll over and pull those covers over his head. He gets up, and he collects his men, 10,000, and he heads for battle. And not only he was courageous, but all his commanders, I mean, it took many commanders to commander 10,000 men, So they were all very, very brave. Their confidence, though, their faith that they were displaying was more in Deborah's relationship with God. All right, verse 15. There's another person who's involved in all this stuff, and it's God. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. What happened? What happened? Chapter 5, verse 4. The earth trembled. The Lord, okay, 4b. The earth trembled. The heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped rain. Going over to verse 21 of five the torrents swept them away the ancient torrents what's a torrent? It's a flash flood lo and behold god caused a flash flood what happens to chariots of iron and big old horses that pull them when you got a flash flood of mud don't they get a little stuck Again, I feel for the horses again, but you know we've got a mess on our hands and the word "routed he routed them he caused confusion they broke a military term of routed is that they um they broke rank uh in a in a troop and they they've got they they uh, F- flew away in, in disorder. They, they didn't know because I'm supposed to go next to this guy, next to this guy, and my gosh, he's just stuck back there, and now this one's cutting off and everything, so they couldn't do battle the way they were taught how to do battle. There was great confusion. Some of your translations may have used the word discomfort, to throw into confusion, to terrify them. It's a confusion of fear and terror, like you really don't know what's going on, because the rain is coming down, and torrents are usually blown so horses, if you ever watch them in the fields when the rain comes, I, already know, I always know which way the wind's blowing in a rainstorm because my horses put their rear ends to the rain coming in, don't they? And so the rain comes in and their heads are down here so they're protected. And then sometimes you see them all kind of shift like this and everything. So it could be in this, this flash flood, this torrent that God had, the rain started coming down to the backs of the Israelites into the faces of the enemy. Don't know, but we know that heaven helped in this battle. So, um, and it's interesting that Barak, he gets a lot of courage here, doesn't he? Verse 16, and Barak pursued the chariots and the army, and the whole army of Sisera fell to the sword that day. Not a man was left. So the Israelites could go in there with what swords they had or by these fallen Enemy troops, they could pick up their weapons, and so they won this battle. Courage. God got involved. And how, who would have even have thought that something like that would have happened? There probably wasn't a cloud in the sky that day until all of a sudden it kind of blew all in. It's like, yes! All right. Sisera, mighty, mighty, brave Sisera, behind his 900 chariots... Baals runs away, goes up to where the uh, Kenites are, and here's Jael luring him into her tent. And the men's tents and the women's, they were separate. You know, back in the day, it was just kind of a separate thing. And you'll see that in Old Testament, Abraham's tent and Sarah's tent. So here she is, and she lures him in. He flees. Now, just let's take a picture of this. He's not dead yet but he's been defeated okay he flees into a woman's tent she gives him a glass of milk and puts him to bed <laughs> i'm sucking my thumb for the video, for the audio and he he's exhausted and she, she falls he falls asleep well, we know that she takes a, what she does to him. She takes a tent stake and whams it down through the temple in his head there. And, uh, and that does him in. Spurgeon says this. If you are content merely to conquer your sins and not to kill them, you can depend on this. It is the mere work of morality, a surface work, and not the work of the Holy Spirit. What a powerful statement. that! Let me say it one more time and then we'll kind of break it down. If we are content with merely conquering our sins and not killing them, then we can be sure that it's merely the work of our morality, our morals, like in the flesh, a surface work, but not the work of the Holy Spirit that's going to kill it. I think, I believe, many in the church, many Christians, we get okay as we're battling our own personal sin with just, oh, well, I I, I did okay today. I didn't... Um, yell at my kids. I held my temper. Today was a good day. Thank you, God, for helping me hold my temper, whatever. But we still have a problem with anger. So we're just putting a Band-Aid on it. But to really get down there and kill that whatever it is that's causing such a quick temper. Or we struggle with an addiction or something. Oh, today was a good day. I didn't do any of that. But did we really kill it? Or was it just kind of the moral success of one day? These stories, what God wants us to learn, the need for Him and the art of war, is to go completely to the end and destroy it. Remember, the people weren't, it's, they, they were still disobeying when they didn't go and completely destroy the enemy. Destruction of it means not just disabling it, but killing it. That's why she goes to Him. Um, Jael says, come on in here. You want to see what you, you're, the man that you're looking for? He's in here. Come on in here. And there he is, dead, with a tent peg in his temple. So God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So this battle and this um, murder of, or this well, not murder because it's war, killing of of Sisera empowered these people to continue to press harder and harder against the Canaanites until they were destroyed in that area. That is how it's supposed to work. That's how our fight, our struggle with sin to be holy. Is supposed to work. Success in God's strength, not in us. God subdued them, and then the people were empowered to be persistent to the final victory. We, today, are also learning the art of war. And that's just not having a good day because, you know, I did pretty well today. Thank you, God. I got up early, I read my Bible and all this stuff, and it was a pretty good day. He wants us to take it to the extreme And kill everything that stands in the way with us serving him heart, soul, and mind and strength. All right. We get into this song of Deborah. And music. God created singing. There's not many too many creatures that can sing. Birds can sing. My donkey thinks he can sing, but not very melodic, (laughs) Um, but the musical instrument of the voice is a phenomenal thing. Songs are talked about in scripture, not just this one. We have in Exodus 15, um, after the people had crossed over, the Red Sea had been opened, Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. It's got many, many verses, but the one we are familiar. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And then later on, we see that um, Miriam is also singing this song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. These were songs. These were um Um, situations, history written to song to be able to sing. David, um, in 1 Samuel 18, verse 7, the people, sometimes there's people that don't like our songs, like Saul. Here comes David in from the big victory and everything, and the people were singing after he had um, killed the as they were coming home and when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and songs of joy, with musical instruments, and the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul didn't like that too much, but it was true, and they were, they were complimenting Saul too, but, but they were singing songs of things that have happened in our lives, in their lives, things to remember. Um, and then in the New Testament, we have Paul and Silas in Acts 16. They're sitting there singing. Who knows what they were saying? Well, they were singing psalms and praises, hymns and praises, maybe things that had already been written, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So it's a way to communicate. It's a way to share stories. Um, we know that with the children, that when they put their Bible verses to music, you can memorize them better, helps with memory. I thought I would because it was a short kind of thing, I thought, well, let me look at the benefits of singing i 'll just encourage you to look up the benefits of singing. There are many, 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 not just mentally, I mean, not just physically, where it gets your, you know gets, helps you to breathe and gets your blood pumping and it's good for your digestion, I mean your heart all these things it's good for, but mentally singing, when we sing in together, the, 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 in harmony with fellowship, there's like, it started with one thing, said, oh, there's seven reasons, benefits of singing, so I look at that when they got all the research that goes with it, and then I picked another one, there's 13 benefits, there's 20 benefits, it's like, whoa, I'm just going to let you guys be encouraged to check that out. Singing is good. And ever since I looked that up, I've noticed that when I sing, it's like, I'm going to sing. Really? I'm going to put it all behind because it's such a benefit. So we're going to sing again at the end. Yes, we are. So she sings this song and records some history here. In chapter 5, Deborah and Barack were singing this song. And they start out with the leaders. They start out um, remembering the leaders. They, the leaders took the lead in Israel, and they offered themselves willingly. And if you think back, those commanders, before they realized the rain was going to come, they were very courageous. So she's singing about them and how they, leaders need to lead, and leaders need to have followers and then they get into verses 3 to 5. I'm just going to go through this quick kind of. She's, they're re- remembering how God provides, how God won with the rain coming. And she recalls another time where God had come in and, and also rescued them. In verses 6 and 8, it talks about how the oppression was in, in Canaan. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, the travelers kept to the byways. In other words, the villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. It got so bad that they didn't have any. They took their guns away. Let's just say that. It got so bad that they could not go out on the streets and feel safe. They abandoned the highways and they started using the back roads to get around. They had to sneak around. They were so oppressed, so under the thumb of the Canaanites that they didn't even want to go out of their house. The villagers ceased in Israel. They stayed home. They didn't know what to do. There was a great fear there. So it talks about the oppression there, how the public roads were not safe. And then God calls up Deborah, a willing servant that he calls up. In verse 9, goes into a little reframe there, where it says, my heart goes out. To the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people, bless the Lord. Again, she brings it back to those leaders. My heart goes out to them, those brave men who just stepped out and led the way for the people. We need to pray for our leaders. I mean, we're commanded to in Scripture to, to pray for our leaders that it would go well for us. So, verses 10 to 12. A call, and she recounts the great victory of what God has done. Um, And everybody needs to hear about this. Don't keep it a secret. 13 to 18, the tribes that helped and the tribes that didn't help. Mm, Okay, so why is that in there? Kind of, It's like, these were all the ones that helped out. And lo and behold, shame on you. These were the ones that did not help out on that day. Um, Then on 19 to 23, it describes... The, 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 the rain that came and how the battle happened. It names a city. The city of Miraz was of no help. I don't know what was going on with that whole city, but they were not helpful. Um, maybe they took some of the wounded there, or they weren't helpful, shut their doors. Don't know. They just weren't helpful. But right after they mentioned that that whole city, all those people weren't helpful, it goes to one woman. One woman stands out. And was helpful. In 24 to 27, um, the song is giving praise to Jael, how she killed Sisera. Um, 28 and 30, kind of a tender side of them where they realize that, you know, every battle, everything that happens, there's consequences. There's people that are hurt on both sides. And she, as a mother herself, or a, a wife, a prophetess, um, acknowledge that loss there. And it comes down to the final praise in verse 31. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in the, in the night, in, in his might. So, learning to our need for God and learning the fine art of battle for us learning how we need God to totally annihilate sin in our lives. Stepping back to the big picture now, in the beginning, in paradise, things were good. Sin came. We died spiritually in our sin. Christ took that penalty, gave us spiritual life. We still battle this sin, though. And it's an ongoing. He has, in other words, did the big battle. But we still have to go in there and clean out the other stuff. And be persistent with that. We just don't, hey, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm going to heaven. It's okay. So the big picture, if we go to Genesis 3.15. says this. God is talking to the serpent telling them that, because you did this, you're going to crawl around and eat dust. In 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. So there's tension there, not between men, but between Satan and women. Because we carry babies into the world. Right? We need men, yes, but the womb Christ was going to come from the seed of the woman. And there's enmity now that Satan is out to destroy that. So Christ couldn't come. Right? And we see that happening now. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Didn't Sisera get his head bruised? don't you love this this is a picture of christ coming the final battle i love it that these things um the sovereign god lets us know foreshadowings of things that happen um you know we're in this battle and and we need to put on the armor of God. And it was actually Joetta's shirt that you have on today. You walked by in front of me, and the sleeve of it says, What does it say? Stand? Because in the armor of God, it puts on all the pieces, but it says to stand. Now, armor back in the day was heavy armor, heavy armor. And if you put on, well, remember David, David was going to try on Saul's armor. Could he stand in it? No, it was too big. He said, I'll just do the slingshot. We are commanded to put on the armor of God. There's weight to that, ladies. There's weight to that. And the more we're transformed from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory, I believe the stronger we are, to wear more of that armor. And this is the armor of God that's pretty heavy. And when we put that armor on, if we can't stand, we can't do battle. Right? And we're not going to put on armor that's going to bog us down. We're only going to put on enough armor so that we are able to stand. Um and the more we flex that faith muscle, and the stronger our faith gets the heavier the armor we can put on. God, we just love you and just are so grateful you care for us and you spoon-feed us at times, but there's other times that you just really encourage us to grow. I ask for every woman in here that we all can apply these things and to get on the front lines of your war To battle the things in our lives that hinder us from moving on to that next degree of glory. So we can glorify you. Amen.